Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, welcome back to Holy Ship and welcome to our porn season. We are so excited to have a whole season dedicated to this, um, as a lot of you requested. And today we're joined by the Victory Collective. So we have Katie Griggs and Amanda Honested. And Katie and Amanda quickly became best friends after awkwardly meeting in the cafeteria in ninth grade. Katie attended Johnson University in Tennessee and Amanda went to Virginia Tech. During their freshman year of college, the two best friends discovered they both that both of them had been secretly battling a pornography addiction since middle school. From then on, they felt the Lord calling them to help other girls who still feel alone in this battle against porn. In October of 2020, they created the Victory Collective, an online women's ministry that helps girls overcome pornography and pursue sexual wholeness. Their ultimate goal is to provide a safe space for girls to heal, grow, and find freedom and grace of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to be here. So could you guys start out by just telling us a little bit more of your story and then I guess kind of as a sub question, which we might get to later, um, how that led you to start Victory Collective? Yeah, definitely. Um, my story starts all the way back when I was 13. Um, I was riding the bus home from school and I heard some kids talking about girls kissing And I was very sheltered at this time, and I had no idea that that was even possible. So later that night when I went to bed, I pulled out my iPod Touch and Googled it. Obviously, I very quickly found images that made me uncomfortable. I felt just really gross, but at the same time had all of these new good feelings that I didn't understand, almost like a rush. But I couldn't fall asleep um, and ended up getting my mom and told her through tears and guilt, everything that I had seen on the internet. And she told me that what I had seen was pornography and that I need to be careful when I search things on the internet and why those images made me uncomfortable. and just talked about more safety measures that like with the iPod. Um, And about a year went by without me ever really thinking about it again until um, my friends encouraged me to get a Tumblr account. And the very first time I went on Tumblr, I I accidentally found the like similar images that I had seen a year before. And so instantly those new and curious feelings came over, then followed by unimaginable shame. Um, But that shame didn't keep me away from it. The new feelings that were good drove my curiosity, curiosity even further to the point where I was going on Tumblr every night or finding it on other social media sites. And that went on for several years. Um, That was in ninth grade and then all the way throughout college. And throughout that time, I was also very involved in church. I was a huge advocate for saving sex for marriage. I didn't really date. And I was pretty focused on being the best Christian girl I could be based on the church's standards. And so on the outside, I was Christ-like, happy, eager to please my parents, eager to please the church, just like the Christian poster girl. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, I was just completely full of shame and guilt and just disgusted with myself Mm -hmm. because I was preaching purity and sticking to good morals, being a good person. But in reality, I was doing what I thought was the most horrific thing a person could do. 
and no one knew. So I was keeping that all inside myself. And what made that even worse was hearing adults talk about pornography, but only addressing men and, you know, being split up between girls and boys and boys talking about it, girls not talking about it. Um, So I was pretty convinced that I was the only girl in the entire world that had ever looked at porn. So that alone just adds so much shame. And so we skipped to my freshman year of college. Um, I was attending a local church at the time and they were doing a series on spiritual warfare. I remember one Sunday, they had a time where they invited people up to the altar to pray and, and let go of any baggage you were holding on to, any spiritual warfare you were going through. Um, they started singing and it was the weirdest thing. I like physically felt my body being pulled up to the front, but I was like, no, I'm not going up there. Like I immediately fought that. Like there was no way I was going to walk up there, especially because almost everyone in the room I went to school with. Mm-hmm. And if I went up there, they would know that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I felt God nudging me to go up there, but I was arguing, no, I'm not going up there. (laughs) I'm going to stay right here. It doesn't matter. Nothing will change if I go up there. And so all of a sudden I felt my body moving up to the front of the church and I was freaking out. Like it was such a like really weird out of body experience. Like I'm going up there, but I'm not really going up there. And so it was just really weird. Um, I was so embarrassed that my friends had seen me go up there. But um, when I got up to the altar, I just prayed and asked God to just release me from this porn addiction. Um, At this point, I had tried so many things to stop myself from looking at porn, but I felt like there was absolutely no way out. I didn't even know what a porn addiction was. I just knew that I had this deep, shameful secret and I didn't want it anymore. And so I remember a lady praying over me, just saying like, give Katie the peace to share with others or to be able to talk about what she's going through. And so I went back to my seat, didn't look at anyone. I like went back, like avoiding eye contact. Um, And I sat down and I heard very clearly this voice that said, you need to tell someone, you can't keep this to yourself any longer. And I got so mad. I was like, I just went up there in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. There is no way on earth I'm going to talk to someone and tell them this super secret that I have deep inside. And so I just kept arguing more, um, just saying there's no way I'm doing that. And then a note is passed to me from like five people over, and it was my roommate. Macy and the note said do you want to talk after church and I was like are you freaking kidding me like now you're like literally making me talk to someone um so I was freaking out like the entire time going like finishing church going back home from church and then getting ready to talk to her and I was a hundred percent convinced that she was going to tell me I can't be friends with you anymore you're disgusting, you're super gross. But instead she just listened to me and told me that she still loves me, that God still loves me and that she has not changed her opinion of me. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, and I had finally said out loud all the things that I had kept inside, it was like 500 pounds had come off my back. like. I could breathe again because I guess five years of 
hidden guilt and shame had just been released. And I felt like my life was going to change. It was just very surreal and a turning point in my life. And so the very next day, um, I was on my way to a concert with a bunch of friends and I got a text from my best friend, Amanda, who I had known since ninth grade. And then everything changed. Yeah. So my turn, (laughs) my, my story also started in middle school, um, when I was in eighth grade. So I think I was 13 also. Um, I got my first boyfriend in eighth grade. It was just like a middle school. It probably lasted like maybe a month kind of relationship. And so it wasn't anything, you know, huge, but it got me thinking about the fact that I was going to kiss somebody one day. And that literally terrified me. So I would watch YouTube videos of like romance kissing scenes from like rom-coms and chick flicks and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, the notebook, like that kind of thing. And so I would watch that on YouTube. And so it began pretty innocently, like just a young girl, like afraid to have her first kiss kind of deal. But I clicked on one of the recommended YouTube videos that came up because of what I had been watching. And it was two girls kissing and they were topless. And immediately like immediately I was hooked and I didn't know why, but it was like excitement and confusion and nerves and everything like all at the same time. And so from then on, I would go back to YouTube every day, sometimes multiple times a day and watch this kind of content. Mm -hmm. But really quickly, I became desensitized to it and it really didn't give me like the rush that it gave me at the beginning. And so I chose to Google the word porn and I I couldn't even tell you where I heard that from. I know it was just from school. Like I know I heard some people talking about it. Obviously I knew sort of what it was about, but really had no idea the kind of thing that I was jumping into. So I Googled the word porn, clicked on the first link. And I remember saying out loud, this is awesome. And like, looking back, I'm like, oh man, what (laughs) like 13 year old me, because it was just so new. And, and I had no idea really what I was even looking at. I just knew it was exciting and it was giving me some sort of feels and I had no idea. Um, so for about a year, I kind of say that I was in sort of a trance. That's how I describe it of like, looking back for about a year, I would watch porn every day, sometimes multiple times a day, like anytime I was home alone, even if I wasn't home alone, like I would find a way to watch it. And I wouldn't feel any shame or anything for about a year. And like, I would just watch it, no remorse, anything, move on with my day. But then I don't know what changed God probably, but I don't know, you know, there wasn't a specific time that all of a sudden now I would watch it and feel just so much shame. Like it would just immediately just so much shame would flood in. And I just felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I couldn't talk to God. I would look up like Christian girls and porn and like pornography addiction to try to figure out what I was going through because no one talked about it. And I really wasn't, I had no idea what I was going through. Um, So that was all through high school that honestly, the high school years were kind of a blur because it was a lot of me trying to do things on my own to overcome this and still not really being sure what it was and feeling like totally alone in this. And sometime in high school, I wrote Katie a letter explaining everything that I had gone through. And I'm pretty sure I ended it with like, if you don't want to be my friend, that's totally okay. I understand like it was just so much shame Mm -hmm. and I ripped it up and I threw it in a river (laughs) that we lived on because I was so afraid someone was going to find it in a trash can. Mm -hmm. Like my mom would just pull it out of the trash can and see it or something. But that was the only time I ever came close to telling someone in high school, but freshman year, 
after a worship night, like all of the campus ministries get together for a worship night once a year. And so it was after that. And I just felt so much peace about telling Katie, like I had never felt that peace before, even when I wrote her that letter in, in high school. And I just knew it was time. I knew I wasn't, it wasn't working. I wasn't overcoming it on my own. And so that's when I wrote Katie super long text message. And I also ended that one with, if you don't want to be my friend anymore, that's totally fine. Like I totally get that. And I remember she responded. I was in line at Jamba Juice and she responded, she responded with two texts. And I saw one that said, I can't believe this. And immediately my heart sunk and I was like, well, that's it for our friendship. Like (laughs) it's over. She hates me. But her other text message said, I'm literally crying right now because I'm in the exact same situation. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing of like feeling like the weight of the world just lifted off of my shoulders because I was 150% convinced that I was the only girl in the world to ever struggle Mm -hmm. with this. And so it was the first time I found out that I wasn't, and it was amazing. And so from then on, we kind of just tried to do, we were just talking about this before, how we tried to do different accountability tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were based out of shame and fear of like, if I watch porn, I have to pay Katie a dollar every time, or I have to break my computer, like things like that. We mm-hmm. trial and error for sure, but we both ended up telling people because we didn't go to the same school. So we both told people at our own colleges who were in our lives at that time. And that was kind of my college years of just growing in my own faith. And I think I confessed to about over the course of my college years, probably 15 girls like friends, small group leaders, small groups that I led. And out of those 15 girls, 12 of them also said they struggled Mm. with porn. And so for me, like each of those girls were individually such a blessing to me in my own healing. But ultimately, like I just grew to realize how common this was and how like, even if they didn't struggle with it, they would reciprocate and be so vulnerable back to me. And it was just a really, really awesome thing. And so, yeah, then it was kind of just like day by day healing and, and here we are. (laughs) That's so awesome. And was it the same like year around the same time that you guys like texted each other or was there like a gap in between like both of you having those moments? Yeah, it was the same, like literally the day after I had that experience at church. Oh, wow. Okay. But I, I said what I said in the text because I was surrounded by people in a car and I couldn't talk to her anymore (laughs) because I was going to a concert. And so we didn't actually get to talk to each other until probably the next night. Um, We called each other on the phone and just like talked forever about like all this time, like we met in ninth grade when it was starting and had sleepovers, shared personal things about our lives. We hung out all the time and all of that time we were struggling with the exact same thing and had no idea. And our story sounded so similar. Mm -hmm. I remember that was so mind blowing to me of like that so many things in our stories were so similar And I've come to learn that it's very common, just this, I mean, having a porn addiction and a lot of people's stories do sound very similar. Mm -hmm. So I just remember that being so shocking to me, like we are going through exactly the same thing. Ah, well, thank you guys for being so vulnerable and sharing your stories. I know that's not easy, but I'm so appreciative that you're doing that and that our community gets to hear that. So I just want to like, thank you to start off. But I'm just wondering, so you said you started the Victory Collective in October of 2020. Mm -hmm. Was this like after college or was this still during college? What was kind of like the process that you like were going through these like different also like accountability tactics, trying them out to Mm -hmm. starting the Victory Collective? So we ended up sharing with each other. That was um, the beginning of 2015. Um, So it took us a couple of years to really 
overcome our porn addiction because as Amanda said earlier, all the things we were doing were not helpful at all. (laughs) Um, They were really damaging and fear-based and, um, but throughout that time, we were finding other women who were going through the same thing. And we noticed that there was, there was such a huge gap in the discussion of porn and women. And we wanted to fill that um, with something. We didn't know what. Um, we felt like because of the craziness of our stories and how we were in each other's lives, we felt like we needed to do something with this. Um, we didn't know what that was. We thought about doing like worship nights where we would share our testimonies and have like other people share things, but nothing really opened up. And then um, we talked for a while about um, having some kind of hotline for women that we could have like a, have open conversations with and help them when they're struggling. And then the Victory Collective was kind of born out of all of that put together. Yeah. I love that. And then just if people aren't familiar, can you kind of explain more of what the Victory Collective is and what your kind of mission is? Yeah. So we chose to do it through Instagram. Um, We also have a website. So it's just an online women's ministry. Um, It is specifically targeting girls and women, specifically Christian girls and women. Um, But we have a bunch of men who follow us and they can learn from our content and kind of have, you know, benefited from it as well. Um, But we kind of just wanted a place that number one would be awareness that girls do struggle with this. Um, We have had several girls say that they didn't know that other girls did until they've seen our page, which is like big win for us. Like that was a huge part of why we wanted to do this is because we saw how many girls there were who struggled with this, who are just battling this alone. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, like raising that awareness. And then number two, finding resources for women, because when we were younger and trying to overcome this, every resource we found was for men. I had a Bible study leader in college find one book for me, and that was Dirty Girls Come Clean, which was a huge blessing for me. But that was really the only book for females at the time that had to do with porn. And so thankfully those resources are on the rise now and we wanted to kind of have a place where we could compile those for people mm-hmm. and like if you're battling specifically shame or you're wanting to learn more about accountability like these are resources that you could actually go to or for small group leaders like if a girl comes and says hey I've been struggling with porn like do you have a book that I could read on this or something being able to just share our Instagram page or our website and be like, look through these ones. And so kind of just like an, an online resource hub for those kind of resources for women. And then just a, the safe space that people could come to. Um, people are welcome to message us and ask us questions or like we love prayer requests and praying for our followers. And so just, yeah, just ultimately like a safe space for girls to come to who are either beginning their healing journey or just now discover that other girls are struggling with this or who have been struggling and and trying to overcome this for a long time. That's so awesome. And I love your content and all of your reels are like so incredible. So and when I watch it all the time. Um, Yeah, I think just kind of like moving on to I'll say like the next like segment. And you've mentioned this quite a bit, but a lot of times porn is just talked about in reference with men what was that like when you were struggling being like a girl? And like, you also like said that you did think you were the only one, but what was it like, like realizing that, like kind of going from thinking you were alone to then, you know, you said you met like 15 girls and (laughs) Katie, do you want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was pretty isolating knowing that you have this, awful secret that you can't tell anyone, but then also at the same time, knowing that you're not even supposed to have that secret Mm -hmm. because you're a woman 
just adds so much self-loathing and low self-esteem. Um, I had so much anxiety and depression um, just from being so isolated in that. And so when I, and when I had told my friend Macy, she hadn't experienced that. So again, I still felt like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I am the only girl. She hasn't done this. Um, so when Amanda told me and I finally realized that, oh, I'm not the only girl, it was life-changing. Um, I felt like I, I wasn't alone anymore. I had someone I could talk to and be validated by. I wasn't ashamed that it was that because it was a man problem and not a woman problem. Over time, I started to realize it's a human problem Mm. and it's not discriminating against men and women. Um, Because even in TV and movies, men are almost expected to watch porn like it's pretty well known men are sexual women aren't and so just seeing all that in our culture it was pretty hard um especially when you're in high school and you're still developing and you're still like becoming an adult and that all of those things are shaping your thoughts it's pretty hard um one example that I thought of earlier was um, that in our culture and in TV and movies and everything, the biggest one that always stands out to me is Kevin from The Office. Um, Kevin is always talking about porn, basically. And there's so many jokes about him needing to clear his search history or him looking at things. And it's just like pretty well known that he's into that. And Jim and Pam even buy him a card with a girl on it when they think he has skin cancer. Um, But there is an episode where um, they have an intervention for Meredith and (laughs) for being an alcoholic. And she says, I do have an addiction to porn. And every single person in the room goes, oh, gross. Like, that's so disgusting that Meredith would say that. And when I first saw that episode, I was in like 11th or 10th grade. And so I had seen them treating Kevin very differently than they were treating Meredith. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm as disgusting as Meredith. And so all of those thoughts that are coming from media, Instagram, our TV, our movies, whatever, just feed into that isolation that you're the only girl in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. I experienced the same thing with, we were talking about friends as well. Friends Mm -hmm. is like that. Almost every episode they mention porn, but it's only ever referenced to Joey and Chandler. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on top of that, like even within the church, every single time the church leader on stage was talking and he would mention like men, if you're struggling with porn or wives, if your husbands struggle with porn, I would just literally sink into myself. Like every single time I heard that it was just so affirming that, oh, I am alone. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's no other girl in the world. I remember I would sit there and think like, okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's somebody in China or maybe there's a girl in Africa who watches it. Mm-hmm. Like I was convinced that you know, there's gotta be someone, but I had to stretch my mind to be able to comprehend like, okay, maybe someone watches porn. I was convinced I was alone and things like that kind of reaffirmed that, like never being included in that conversation about porn. I had a spiritual mentor in college who went to the same church as me growing up. And she said, you know, every, every time the church does like that sex series, like once a year they have where they talk about sex and porn and stuff. Um, They broke up into small groups, like guys and girls, and they were talking about porn that night. And 
this particular friend of mine was actively struggling with porn at the time. And so she goes, okay, great. Like this is my time to be able to open up about it in this safe space in church. And her small group leader told the girls that because this is a boy's problem, they're just going to have a pizza party that night. And the Mm -hmm. boys are going to talk about porn. And she said that just shut her down. Like, Mm -hmm. she's like, this was supposed to be my safe space where I open up about these things, but clearly this is a boy's problem. And so that kind of stuff happens within the church as well. So we're, we're getting media, we're getting church. I know I remember hearing some boys in school laughing about someone watching porn, like getting caught in school watching porn, Mm -hmm. but they weren't laughing about that aspect of it. They were laughing because it was a girl. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all of these things are just flooding in and, and telling us that this is a boy's problem. Like if you struggle with it and you're a girl, something's wrong with you because this is something men struggle with. Yeah, we were both very aware how men were treated when it came to porn versus how women were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a tangent, but along like the same lines of media. Do you have like certain TV shows or movies that you don't watch now? to like, or like as like a personal boundary or yeah, like how do you navigate that? That's definitely tricky, especially when shows are so popular Mm -hmm. And you just feel left out because you're not watching it. My husband and I started watching Outlander a couple years ago. And at first I was like, this show's amazing. Like super good story. The guy's super hot. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is really great. But then it was getting like really sexual and pretty nudie. And we had to like have a conversation about it and say, is this actually is this healthy? Is this beneficial to what we're adding to our brains? Like, Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, yeah, it's a good story, but no, I was making up excuses. And so things like that, um, shows like Bridgerton, um, shows any show on Netflix (laughs) that Netflix comes out with, um, Zach and I, my husband talk a lot about what is worth watching what is healthy um, what boundaries do we need to have because he also dealt with a porn addiction um and so we kind of look out for each other in that way where like is this okay for you to watch like like kind of checking in with each other Mm -hmm. and I feel like it kind of varied in different seasons of my healing like I used to not be able to watch new girl Cause that was very, very tempting for me. Um, and I just had to also like it kind of excuses of, oh, but the show is so funny and I can just push through it. But I did have to cut that show out for a while and I can watch it now. Um, I think that's just up to the individual's kind of discernment in their own healing. Um, but yeah, there are for sure some things that are worth cutting out. Like I had to cut out, uh, just going away from shows, but just cutting out Instagram for a while. Um, and it was so easy to be like, well, I have friends that I communicate with through Instagram, so I don't want to cut it out, Mm -hmm. but I really needed to in that season because it was just way too tempting. So yeah, I feel like it definitely depends on where you are in your own healing and what kind Mm -hmm. of you, you know, Mm -hmm. triggers you individually. Yeah. And with books too, there's Mm -hmm. some pretty saucy books Mm -hmm. out there that I've just had to put down. Like, why am I reading this? And now, so Katie, you mentioned that you're married. Um, Amanda, are you? Yes. How did porn addiction affect your views of sexuality and then how you navigate a relationship and then when did you like tell your boyfriend or fiance or husband or at what stage did you tell them? I think we can both, me and Amanda agree that porn damaged any healthy view of sexuality that we had. Um, Not only did I have purity culture kind of shaping that, I also had um, the scars from porn use. Mm -hmm. And so I started dating my freshman year of college um, 
And I was very afraid of intimacy, not really holding hands, not kissing. Um, That relationship ended very quickly. And later on, I started dating my husband. Um, And so as I got closer to him, an intimacy became like a bigger part of our relationship. I would literally freeze. Mm -hmm. Um, He tried to kiss me and I yelled no and ran away. Um, because I was so afraid of any kind of physical touch. Um, but my love language is physical touch. So I wanted it, but I had so much shame surrounding it that I just had to stay away from it. Um, obviously he picked up on (laughs) things that I was, uh, kind of awkward when it came to intimacy and I told him that there was a reason, but I wasn't ready to share that part of me with him yet. Um, we had only been dating like three months or something. Um, so throughout that time, he was very patient and kind and would like be cautious when <laughs> trying to kiss me or anything. Um, and when I did finally tell him, I did it through an email because I didn't want to do it in person. Um, and he also said, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of opened the door to more vulnerability and honesty between us and grew our relationship a lot closer, um, than it would have been if I had kept that to myself. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to work through, um, my fear surrounding intimacy, um, I was able to kiss him, but it took me a really long time to process where that fear was coming from and really identify it Mm -hmm. and work through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Going like all the way back to when I first found porn, this is kind of embarrassing to admit. And I feel like my mom would be disappointed in me if she heard me say this because I a lot of kids grow up believing that what happens in porn is what is expected of you Mm -hmm. in your sex life. Like it is some people's sex education. My mind kind of went a different route where I was watching porn. I knew where babies came from, but I thought there is no way that people do this in real life. Like this is so horrifying to me that I didn't think I didn't think intercourse was a real thing, like in real life. I thought it was just something that people did in porn. And so that happened for a while of being like, okay, but I know that babies are made this way, but also the things I was viewing, a lot of, a lot of porn I'm now realizing was very traumatic for me to see, for a lot of people to see. And so my mind couldn't comprehend that a loving married couple could do this stuff. And Mm. so it kind of had like this separation between the two. And so fast forward, I'm now married and I am realizing that a lot of the things I saw are still impacting like me and my Mm. husband's sex life of being like, this thing is still very triggering for me because I have seen it played out and being very twisted and manipulated Mm. in porn for many, many years of my life. And so we're still, I'm still like navigating that and we're still kind of figuring out, okay, what are our expectations that we had because we watched porn versus what is actually like loving and we can do as a married couple. And so that's been definitely tricky to navigate and definitely impacted by porn. But I told him, it's pretty similar to you telling Zach. Um, I told him when we first started dating that I had something that I wanted to tell him, but I wasn't ready yet. (laughs) And, um, Katie and I used to call porn the thing. So I told, I told Paul that I had a thing that I, (laughs) that I wanted to talk about, but not right now. So he ended up telling me, like he asked to talk one night and we just sat in our car and he ended up telling me that he struggled with it, but he had tried to stop since we dated and 
you know, had kind of relapsed a few times. And so wanted to talk about it. And so he told me first and I was like, okay, well now's a perfect segue and telling me, (laughs) telling you what my thing was. And so I ended up opening up to him about it and yeah, we've just been able to be vulnerable about it. And it played into our, you know, when we did premarital counseling and just talked about what our expectations were for marriage, we talked about how porn has affected our view of that. It's a free, pretty frequent conversation within our marriage, just to make sure we're not going back to it secretly and that we're just being totally open and vulnerable with each other. Um, so we do try to keep it a pretty frequent conversation even now. Yeah. Um, do you think that men and women, I guess, even just from your experience with your husbands both having this, do you think like the shames felt equally between guys and girls? Or do you think girls struggle with the shame more just because it's not talked about as much? I think, like I said earlier, that it's almost expected for men to watch porn. Um, And so I think because of that, the shame falls more on women. Um, Zach has told me that in his experience, like it was totally normal for his friends to watch porn. And like Amanda said, like Joey and Chandler on friends, Mm -hmm. they just watch porn together and it's really weird, but it's more normalized. I was told all the time growing up that men are super sexual and they're going to look at porn (laughs) and it's just very common. And so Mm -hmm. I think because of that, um, men, they probably still do experience shame, but not as much shame as a woman would. Mm -hmm. Next, I'm just wondering, how did your life change after you guys started working through like how to be held accountable and like actually like break free from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like my entire healing journey, I had very unrealistic expectations about what my life would look like after porn. And my expectation was that it was going to happen very quickly that one day I would just all of a sudden like, oh, I've told Katie now I should be able to <laughs> resist temptation. Like someone knows. And I didn't, I didn't want it to take long. Like I didn't realize, and I didn't want it to take many years of confession and accountability and actually like actively pursuing God and pursuing healing in this. And so I had very unrealistic expectations, but what actually happened <laughs> is still kind of happening, just a very gradual healing. Mm. Um, and so I definitely feel more in control, like porn controlled me for a, a for many years. Um, like I felt like there was no choice. I, I was home alone. I felt tempted. I had to, or I wouldn't stop thinking about it all day. And then I would have to watch porn in order to ease that. And that was many years of my life. And so now I don't feel that way. And so I feel way more in control. Um, but yeah, it's still gradually happening. Like even just a few months ago, um, I had kind of a realization of one way that I've, I've healed one very frustrating thing that used to happen to me a lot was that every time we would be in church praying and like, he'd be like, close your eyes, bow your head immediately porn images would come into my head. Hmm. And I was like, are you kidding me? I am in church. (laughs) We are praying right now. Just because I closed my eyes, porn images popped into my head. Hmm. And that was so frustrating and super discouraging, especially when I was actively trying to heal. And just like a couple months ago in church, I were doing the same thing. I closed my eyes and bowed my head. And I had this moment of realization where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking about porn right now. When did this happen? Like, when did this change? And so still like in little ways like that, I'm realizing, okay, I am actually, I am actually overcoming this. Like I might not even be at the end of my healing yet. Cause it's still like a day-to-day kind of thing. Um, so yeah, 
that's that's a cool way that I've recently figured out that I've <laughs> I've healed oh, from that. That's awesome. Yeah. I would add to that that I am much more honest and vulnerable than I was uh, before opening up about my porn addiction. Yeah. And I'm way less embarrassed of things in my life or sharing personal things. Um, cause we talk about it on the internet and it's out there for everybody <laughs> to see. Um, so yeah, just being more, uh, vulnerable has like, I used to be very secretive and closed off and would only share things with people I was comfortable with. Um, but now like I would feel totally comfortable telling someone at a coffee shop, Hey, I was addicted to porn. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Cause I mean, even, I don't know about you, Katie, but even since starting the victory collective, I feel like it has helped my own healing so much because we constantly get messages from girls saying that they also struggle with porn. And like, even though I'm aware of that at this point, it's just still validating for me and just getting to be vulnerable with people is just such a healing thing, like for their own journey and ours. And so it's just been super, super cool just being able to like walk alongside people and have even more people in on this with us, like fighting for each other, which is really cool. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm going to kind of like backtrack to when you guys were talking about being at church and them discussing porn. What do you think the role of the church is in discussing porn? Because I feel like it is brought up, but again, like it's normally catered towards men. Do you think they have an obligation to like one, talk about it all, but then to talk about it like with regards to women too? I think in today's age when porn is so accessible and so incredibly easy to get to, I think it's even more prevalent to start that discussion Mm -hmm. in church. Um, I think just a good place to start would be breaking down the stereotype stereotype that only men look at porn. I like Amanda said earlier, there's so many pastors who just address men when they're saying, or wives, when your husband, that sort of thing, that just including women in that example, just opens the door for so much more. And the church needs to include women in the conversation if they really want to make an impact. Yeah. Now we are very anti-shame. So we don't want to even shame the pastors who are doing this in the churches. (laughs) Um, So like this whole idea of, you know, just including men in this conversation, I feel like at one point, maybe that was more accurate to say, Hmm. like, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe when you did have to go to the video store or buy a magazine from a store, Mm -hmm. like maybe it was more men who were doing that. So maybe at one point this conversation was tailored towards men, but that is absolutely not the case anymore. And that needs to get, Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. And I think that just simple word choice on stage, like for the pastor on stage saying men and women, like actually including women into that conversation Mm -hmm. is huge. Cause I think just saying men, I'm just picturing myself in that audience as a 13 year old and like all the girls in the audience who are just becoming even more isolated because of that one comment. So I feel like even just that little word choice is a great place to start. But on top of that, having your small group leaders informed, because that's supposed to be a very safe space for these girls to talk about it. And so having them, even if they didn't struggle with it, having them understand that it is very prevalent and that there are girls in their group who are actively struggling with porn. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Um, what are like different safeguards that you can put in place like on your phone or on the internet just to kind of help with media consumption in general because now I feel like there's TikTok, Instagram, like you like there's so many other things that are like easily accessible that even like when I was growing up like I didn't have an iPod until middle school you know so it's just like different. It's insane I mean when I found porn I had a purple razor flip phone (laughs) and a computer 
that took like 30 minutes to turn on. Uh-huh. And then I had an iPod touch and like, that was my main source, but now it's super young kids have mm-hmm. iPhones that have access to everything and porn is on everything, every social media site, every streaming service, just one Google, like everything. And so, yeah, there are, there are a lot of accountability softwares like Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You is what we use um, that can help with that. I'd say a really big thing to consider for anyone who is struggling with porn, consider just getting rid of social media and putting some kind of intense guardrails for for a while. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I had to get rid of, I had a friend restrict the app store on my phone so I could not re-download Instagram. And that was for like a year or two. I don't remember how long it was. But now I have Instagram. So, you know, it can, it depends on where you are in your own healing, but there are, if you're, if you're serious about overcoming this, you might have to take some very serious steps, like restricting all social media, going back, buying a flip phone, if you have to like doing anything that you can to overcome this and to restrict as much access as possible that you have to porn. I have Twitter completely blocked on my phone because Twitter became such a problem for me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I can't even see tweets that are posted, like the link is posted on other social media sites. And sometimes I feel a little left out that I can't see Twitter, but then I remember why I did that and why I have that in place. Mm-hmm. And for other accounts, I've had Zach change my password mm-hmm. because I would just redownload them and log back in and so I had him change that so that I would have no access to get back in and then what like age do you think parents should start like talking about this with their kids because it was like middle school for you guys but again like I feel like when we were in middle school I feel like iPod touches were just becoming a thing and like easily accessible and now it's so much younger yeah um we really like a book called good pictures, bad pictures, and it's for like five-year-olds. And we think because the average age that kids are exposed to porn is 11, but I've heard people as young as five, six, like very young. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways for parents to talk about it without it being explicitly like, I don't know, very detailed or because they're, if they're five years old, like if they're that young, it's going to need to be tailored towards their age. And so books like good pictures, bad pictures, I will say that book only includes a boy. So it <laughs> makes sure if you're talking mm-hmm. to a daughter, like make sure she knows that it's also girls who find this. Um, but it does make it easy just to talk to your kids about the general idea of there are some bad things on the internet. Mm-hmm. and this is what you can do if you see them and just establishing that you are a safe person to talk to very early on so that I'm not even going to say if I'm going to say when they do Mm -hmm. see porn and someone brings it up or they accidentally find it, they know that you are a safe person to talk to about it. Yeah. I think if they have internet access, you need to be talking about it. Yeah, Um, because even with just Amanda and I accidentally finding it or searching keywords, it's you're going to find it. It's going to be there. And if you're having conversations about sex, you need to be having conversations about porn. My son is one, so I'm not talking about that right now. But (laughs) um, in the next couple of years, if he starts to have questions about where do babies come from and Mm -hmm. Can I go on your phone? I'm going to start having those conversations. Like Amanda said, to lay that groundwork Mm -hmm. and have a good base so that when he does find porn, he feels completely comfortable to come to me or his dad to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think some parents are really afraid of introducing this concept to their kids. Like, oh, what if they haven't heard about it? 
and I'm the first person to like bring it up with them. Mm -hmm. But I think that should be every parent's goal to be the first person to talk to their kids about porn, because if they're not, it's going to be a friend or a sibling or a cousin who's like, Hey, look at this thing. And they have no idea what it is. And you have not established yourself as that safe person Mm -hmm. that they can come to you about this embarrassing and confusing and just this new thing that they've found. So yes, we would say very early on. Yeah. I, when I was, I was either six or seven, I first saw porn and was like, so confused by like what it was like at that point, I still thought like a kiss traveled to your belly and that's how you like got pregnant, you know? So I was like, the whole concept was a little confusing. Um, yeah. And not that it was my parents fault at all. Cause they would have had no way of knowing <laughs> that I saw it. But yeah, I was just like, then I would go to like friends or like I'd hear things at recess. And like, that was my framework for building like what porn and sex was just in general. And yeah, I really wish like earlier I would have been able to have those conversations. But Yeah, for sure. And it's not even the parents fault. A lot of the times, mm-hmm. like my mom told me recently, like after I told her that I, str- I had struggled with porn, I told her that I would watch it on my iPod touch. And she didn't even know that iPod touch had internet access. Like yeah. it was just foreign to her. She thought it was just an iPod, like iPod with a touch screen. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I had no idea. Like I would have, I would have set more boundaries on it if I had known. And so I think parents just aren't aware, which is not their fault necessarily. Right. But yeah. My dad didn't even have any idea that he should even talk to me about it. I gave my testimony at a church thing a couple of years ago and he was mind blown Hmm. because he talked to my brother constantly about dangers of porn and like what not to search on the internet, but they just didn't know that they should have talked to me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so tricky. And I feel like as technology keeps like evolving and it becomes more accessible, like it just becomes all the more prevalent in life too. So yeah. Just as a last question, what are like three or four resources you would recommend for women struggling with porn? Hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of good ones now, which <laughs> is exciting. Um, we, I mean, if you just go to our Instagram we have all of the resources that we've shared in our little resources highlight bubble, like right under our bio. Um, we really like Crystal Raynaud um, with She Recovery. She has an amazing counseling, like counseling resources and support groups, which is awesome. Beggar's Daughter is another good account. Um, Felicia Masonheimer. So there's some really good accounts that we share on our Instagram. Um, And they just have blogs, they have support groups, they have like private Facebook groups. Um, I'm on Felicia Masonheimer's private Facebook group of like over 800 girls all struggling with the same thing. So that's a really cool place to kind of go and talk about it. Um, And then on our website, we have a bookshelf, which has some book reviews that we share. Um, So those are some good ones as well but there's, there's a lot, so I'm not going to say all of them. (laughs) Perfect. We love the more resources, the better. (laughs) We're very thankful that their resources for women are on the rise, which is exciting. Yeah. And then do you guys have any tips or like pieces of advice or even words of encouragement that you'd want to share if someone, like if this is their first time hearing that other girls struggle with this as well? You are not alone. You're not the only girl in the entire world that has ever struggled with this. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me that did not work was uh, self-punishment. Telling myself, if you keep looking at porn, then God's going to make your boyfriend break up with you. I think that God is merciful and loving and gracious and forgiving. And when we choose to sin and when we mess up, he's not going to 
take things away from you. Mm -hmm. He's not going to intentionally make your life worse just to get back at you. Mm -hmm. Um, When we choose to sin, he's not stepping away from us in anger. Mm -hmm. He's actually coming even closer and wrapping us up in grace. So you are not a failure. You're not gross. You're not disgusting. You are not unloved. God is right here with you, walking through this with you. And so are we. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's possible to overcome. And we are two walking, talking testimonies of that. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people still believe that it's like, this is the end, like this is where they are stuck forever, but that's not at all true. Um, We can look at just, I mean, God's redemptive powers in that, but also science that our brains, which is God, (laughs) but um, that our brains, it is possible for them to change. And so they're not stuck the way they are and you are not stuck the way you are. Um, That even if you feel super, super, ashamed or just like you have absolutely no choice right now that is not where you need to stay um yeah it is possible to overcome and also tell someone (laughs) is my second piece of advice um confession is a super beautiful thing as scary as it is it is so powerful and you will meet people who also struggle with this and even if you don't which I'm I'm going to promise you that you uh, probably will, (laughs) but even if you don't like vulnerability leads to vulnerability and it's a really, really cool and healing thing for both people in the conversation. And so just take that leap of faith, like pray for somebody who you are going to feel peace about telling and then go for it and just invite somebody else into this. Cause that is the way that, that you're going to find freedom from this. Well, thank you so much, Katie and Amanda, for joining us on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to talk with you and hear both of your stories. And we just like thank you so much for being so vulnerable. Uh, For the rest of the porn series, we are talking with both men, women, married couples, single people. So we are so excited just to hear all the different perspectives on porn and how it's impacted different people's lives. Um, And hopefully this is just such an encouraging season for you both. Emma and I have enjoyed it so much and just talking with everyone. So we can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of the season. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can either DM us on Instagram at theholyship.podcast or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. And we hope you guys have such a great time listening and have such a great rest of your week.